Is it better to be feared or respected? And I say, is it too much to ask for both? They say the best weapon is one you never have to fire. I respectfully disagree. I prefer the weapon you only have to fire once. That's how Dad did it. That's how America does it. And it's worked out pretty well so far. I wonder how you sleep. I wonder what you think of me. If I could go back, would you have ever been with me? I want you to be unleashed. I want you to remember. I want you to believe in me. I want you. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. Open up with that scene from uh, Iron Man. Is it better to be feared or respected? Is it too much to uh, to ask for both? You know what? Uh, we had both. We had both. It was called the the Trump era. We had uh, our our uh, our enemies feared us, and we were respected at the same time. We had uh, everybody under control. Um, you could see when our president spoke, people listened, and they knew he was serious when he said something. And now we have Biden, and we have Biden, and we have, uh, as the song says, "Downfall" by Matchbox Twenty. We have our downfall. You know, uh, they made they made Biden our savior, and he's become our downfall. And uh, the we're watching the the fall of. Uh, we're of the American Empire. We're watching it as we speak. We watch our our uh, our our president stand up in front of the UN and and be weak. We watch our Attorney General stand in front of the in front of the Senate and the or the House uh, the House Committee House Judiciary Committee this week, and we watch him just be a be Mr. Magoo. They don't have they don't have any they don't have any direction they don't have any explanation. We're just watching it all fall apart. You know what? I'm uh, I'm hopeful that we see Trump back in the White House at the beginning of 25. But I'm hoping our America's still here in 25. It's it's so ugly. I just don't know. I just I just don't know where we're, where this thing is going. It's uh, you know all by all by all uh, common sense. We should be seeing the Fed drop interest rates now, and of course, uh, and of course, we're seeing the the inflation rate come come down from the height heights it's it's ever been uh, since the depression to now we're approaching down in the in the between two and three percent, and 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 I'll read I'll remind everybody when they say how low how low inflation's getting that doesn't mean prices are coming down that means they're just not going up as fast. And uh, but we're we're seeing the the high gas prices. We're seeing the uh, uh, we're seeing things slow down. We're seeing and that's the whole idea behind the Fed's raising the rates is slow it down. And the Fed comes out this week and says, well, we're not going to raise it this time, but we think we might have to raise it a couple more times before the end of the year. 
and you watch the bond market take a dump, which makes interest rates get higher. And there's just no common sense. There's just no there's there's no respect. There's no fear. There everybody just thinks we're a joke. And uh, having uh, been in in Europe, I can tell you that the people in Europe think Biden. You know, Biden's not a national joke. He's an international joke. And the whole the whole Biden administration is just it's just I just shake my head. Just shake my head. I'm going to talk about what happened this week that uh, makes me shake my head and uh, should make you shake your head. And if you weren't paying attention, I'll point out some things. Um, but before I do, let me introduce myself. For those who don't know me, my name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and fantastic opportunities are coming, if you need financing, call me toll free at area code 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, toll free, day or night, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to talk to me about real estate or finance, but you don't want to talk on the phone just yet because it's a little too personal, you know, actually hearing each other's voice, uh, go to edhoffman.net. Click on the United Mort- United American Mortgage logo and uh, fill out the cyber stuff. Fill it, and open up yourself an account, put out them, put in how much information you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates. We'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Um, if you uh, if you missed missed the show any week or if you missed part of the show, you want to uh, repeat it or share it. Um, go stay on edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page. You can hear, hear this show as well as several past shows. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, Apple podcast, where you can subscribe for free and have it automatically download to your device that you listen to podcasts on automatically. I record on Friday mornings. It uploads Friday afternoon and it'll download automatically shortly thereafter. And you could listen to it on demand. Um, if you have comments on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. All right, let's get on to, to the embarrassment of the week. The United Nations held its annual General Assembly in New York City this week. The theme of this year's event, rebuilding trust and reigniting global solidarity, accelerating action on the 2030 agenda and its sustainable development goals towards peace, prosperity, progress, and sustainability for all. I wonder who wrote that. What does all that stuff mean? Uh, the UN website says, Heads of state of state and government and ministers explore the solutions to the intertwined global challenges to advance peace, security, and sustainable development. That cleared that up. And for those of you that don't understand, when they talk sustainability, sustainability means green. So uh, before we went to Europe, I'm searching for hotels because we uh, we hotel hotel jumped. We were uh, one night in London, two nights in Paris, two nights in Rome before we got on the cruise ship. And then when we got off the cruise ship a week later, uh, we went to the Rome airport, flew back to London and and got a, a hotel for that night and flew back um, to LAX uh, the next morning. Um, and when you go on booking.com or Expedia, any of those, um, you put on the things that you want. And, you know, first I put air conditioning, has to have air conditioning. And, uh, you know, then it says one of them sustainability, uh, sustainability. I go, Hmm, let me check this and see what it's about. And I start looking into it and sustainability means they recycle and, you know, they, they encourage people not to, not to, uh, throw their towels on the floor and ask for them to replace them if they only use them one time. And, you know, so, so, you know, this United Nation things about, 
is about, uh, you know, uh, uh, sustainable development goals towards peace, prosperity, progress, and sustainability for all. It's a bunch of crap. And no one was a bigger champion for peace, security, and sustainable development than the President of the United States, Joseph R. Biden Jr. Case in point, not surprisingly, the President said the word climate 15 times throughout the speech. Even Zelensky had to pay, play along by pretending like climate change matters to Ukraine right now. Here's Biden saying that we need more money in the invisible fight against climate change. How much more? I don't know. Is $100 billion enough? Last year, I signed in the law in the United States the largest investment ever anywhere in the history of the world to combat the climate crisis and help move the global economy toward a clean energy future. We're also working with the Congress to quadruple our climate financing to help developing countries reach their climate goals. And this year, the world's on track to meet the climate, fi- the cli- climate finance pledge that made under the Paris Agreement. $100 billion to raise collectively. But we need more investment. Yeah, it's, uh, can you believe that the, the whole, the whole uh, focus of the United Nations is climate? It's not about, you know, uh, Biden cozying up with, uh, with Xi Jinping or, uh, or Rocket Man uh, uh, going to, to meet with, uh, with Putin. You know, all the, it's not about Iran getting a nuclear bomb. It's not about any kind of things that really matter to the peace of this world it's climate we got to control climate as if we have have the ability to control climate um the historic legislation he's referring to of course is the so-called inflation reduction act signed in august of last year which contained 369 billion dollars for climate change remember folks when you uh, file your taxes all that money that's coming out of your check every week and every in whatever check you have to write when you file your taxes they took $369 billion and, and are committing it to climate change, which basically means flushing it down the toilet. But that wasn't enough. We need $100 billion from the rest of the world, too. Will that be enough? Will it ever be enough? In fact, the climate crisis is so urgent that it is, according to Joe Biden, the biggest risk we face from China, not China's takeover of the global supply chains. Not their commitment to destroying our economic engine. Not their friendship without limits with Putin. Not their increasingly creative espionage on our government. Not the frightening reality that they're hacking into the banking data of regular Americans with their social media and shopping apps. Not the fact that they're buying up farmland in vicinities of our military bases. And certainly not the fact that they intentionally created the COVID virus and unleashed it on the world. No, the most important thing we need to tackle when it comes to China is climate change. Joe Biden actually said so. We seek to responsibly manage the competition between our countries so it does not tip into conflict. I've said we are for de-risking, not decoupling with China. We will push back on aggression and intimidation and defend the rules of the road from freedom of navigation to overflight to level economic playing field that have helped safeguard security and prosperity for decades. But we also stand ready to work together with China on issues where progress hinges on our common efforts. Nowhere is that more critical than accelerating the climate crisis. Nowhere is it more critical than making sure we throw money at climate crisis 
so we can get companies that say they're doing stuff to kick back to the Biden family, crime family, uh, money through their LLCs. We're about de-risking, not decoupling with China. You know, he's, he's trying to talk tough. He's trying to talk tough. At the same time, he's sucking up to China so they don't get mad. Well, I don't want to say anything that's going to make them mad because what if they decide to uh, to pull all the supply chain of all the drugs in our country? Because all of our drugs come from China. Apparently, America's too stupid to uh, to create our own to actually uh, create pills and uh, vaccine not vaccines but uh, but pills and inhalers and and uh, uh, shots and stuff that we have to uh, use in medicine. It all comes from China. So if you know anybody who's on pain uh, pain management, you'll find out that they can't get pain medication anymore because China's holding it back. It's just amazing. It reminds me that when Trump was in there and we needed the COVID COVID medications mass produced, and he gave a contract to the company Kodak. Remember Kodak, the camera company? You know, I imagine that they're not doing as much business because nobody uses film anymore. But they do have the they do have the machinery and the ability to to do chemicals. So Trump gave a big contract to Kodak, but then in came Biden. So so now we have a big supply chain problem because apparently, you know what? I'm sure I'm sure Americans wouldn't mind paying a little bit more for all their products to make sure that they're made in America and they're always available. Because right now we're paying a lot more for all our products. And they're still coming from China. Biden, the Biden administration is just destroying our country, and it's it's unnerving. It's I'm looking for the word, and it just there's just no word strong enough that I can say on the that I can say on the air. So, uh, did Biden's speech to the UN address the fact that we're still buckling under migrants flooding over our borders? He mentioned it, sort of. Listen to this. Here in the Western Hemisphere, we united 21 nations in support of the Los Angeles Declaration on Migration and Protection. Launching a region-wide approach to a region-wide challenge to better uphold laws and protect protect the rights of migrants. So what is the Los Angeles Declaration of Migration and Protection? Has anybody ever heard of the Los Angeles Declaration on Migration and Protection? Here's some of the here's some of what the White House fact sheet on it says from June of last year. The declaration seeks to mobilize the entire region around bold actions that will transform our approach to managing migration in, a, in the Americas. The declaration is organized around four key pillars. One, stability and assistance for communities. Not our communities, of course, just the communities in Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, Venezuela, and Nicaragua. We want to make, we want to make sure that we keep the, their communities stable. Number two, expansion of legal pathways. Yep, there it is. Just make everybody legal. Let's make sure that all these people that come across are legal citizens. They can stay here forever, um, and we'll just support them. We'll give them free stuff and and let them vote and let them take over our country. Humane Number three, humane migration management, the most important pillar of all. Humane migration management. Oh, we want to make sure that we get those people across the border and we make sure they're treated nice. And number four, Coordinated emergency response, like sending planes to pick up migrants in the dead of night and moving them into school gymnasiums around the country. Yep, that's our uh, our Los Angeles. What do we call that? 
the Los Angeles Declaration on Migration and Protection. Most of you guys didn't even realize we had one. Apparently, this was the so-called uh, declaration because it was unveiled at the Summit of the Americas last year, which was held in Los Angeles. All right. That's what you call it then. But in the clip we just heard, Biden called migration a regional problem. Well, technically, he didn't call migration a problem at all. He called protecting the rights of migrants a regional problem. Regardless, the American people know the migrant crisis is a very much a national problem, not a regional problem. Just ask Eric Adams if migration is a regional problem for border states only. You think he gets it now that he's getting 10,000 migrants a month in New York? He has to turn every vacant building that, that used to be a school or a nursing home into a migrant shelter? Or is he still so proud to be mayor of a sanctuary city? Here, here he is in a press conference Tuesday um, on that subject. President Biden is coming to the city. Uh, I am hoping that he understands this beautiful city that's the economic engine of the entire country is being saddled with a $2 billion that we spent already, $5 billion we're going to spend in this fiscal crisis, $12 billion um, in the next um, two budgetary cycles. Uh, New York don't, don't deserve this. The asylum seekers don't deserve this. And so while he's here, um, I think that they should really reflect on New York City has done its part. And um, we're, once we know what I'm going to do, we release a public schedule. I'm very public. Everybody knows who I am. You guys know where I'm at. I am all the time. So apparently Biden came into New York City on Sunday night. Um, he was there until Wednesday. But in all that time, he didn't make time to meet with Eric Adams. And uh, it just shows, it just shows that you know, New York City, New York City is, uh, well, it doesn't say anything about New York City. It says about uh, Joe Biden that he just doesn't give a crap about anybody. He just goes in, all right, uh, uh, what do I have to say? I have to read this teleprompter, and then I'm going to go get ice cream, and then I'm going to go to bed. Okay, all good, all good. I can't even imagine how Jill feels walking, carrying, you know, uh, following him around. It's got to be embarrassment for her as well. So uh, from the Daily Mail on Tuesday, here's a story on the migrants taking over one of Texas's most massive, massive planned residential communities. Um, I actually got a uh, direct message on this from my friend Craig Cuvion, who lives in a city outside of uh, Houston, about this. Um, from the Daily Mail, Colony Ridge, illegal immigrant town springs up in Texas as local developer sells border crossers property without asking them for documentation with four cartels now operating there. A Texas developer has been accused of creating a sprawling illegal migrant town by selling off land to border crossers without asking for any paperwork. William Trey Harris sells plots at Colony Ridge by allowing buyers to purchase land without the need to prove income or credit. It's alleged... Critics say the scheme around 20 miles north northeast of downtown Houston has drawn thousands of illegal migrants as well as cartel activity. Senior National Security Fellow Ted Benzman claimed Harris has been selling off plots direct to borrowers for a few hundred dollars without conducting any background checks. Well, a few hundred dollars is the down payment. He told Fox News... This means pretty much anyone can come in, and this has resulted in at least four cartels setting up operations at the site. Harris offers the land through a development company called Toronto's Houston using Spanish-language marketing. 
Currently, the settlement is estimated to be around 60 square miles in size and, and home up to 75,000 people, which is about the size of a small, uh, small city. It's unclear how many of those are illegal immigrants. So while the initial payment is relatively cheap, borrowers then face interest rates up to 10%. Oh, my. Borrowers that don't show any income, that don't show any ID, that don't show anything, and they pay 10%. Imagine that. That's usurious. Terrible. We have to we have to get on those guys for charging such high interest rate. We don't care the fact that they're letting illegal aliens take over this take over this section of Texas. Benzman added that the expe- expansion is going on under the radar for the last 10 years. So apparently this started under Obama. He said it's probably it's probably thousands and thousands of acres under development right now. I'm guessing they expect to be able to sell a lot of folks that are coming over right now. So so let me explain what they mean. The seller has all this land. I don't I don't see any evidence there's houses on it. Um, but maybe the cartels are developing the houses and they they charge these illegal Im- immigrants um, a few hundred dollars and then they charge them then they sign some kind of a deed that they're paying 10%, they're paying payments on. So this is called a seller carry. So the seller is selling it. He's not asking for bank financing. He just creates his own financing, completely legal. And, of course, uh, based on the fact that these are not uh, uh, qualified mortgages, he's charging what he's charging. While it may be illegal by the uh, CFPB's uh, definitions, they're financing these people that have... No evidence of income, no evidence of ability to pay, no evidence of uh, legal citizenship, nothing. No identifications, nothing. Hey, you want this? Here, give me a few hundred bucks and here's your agreement to pay me a few hundred bucks every month. I don't care where you get it, just pay it to me. And you could sell it to me or you could uh, Venmo it to me or uh, you can just bring cash over to my office. That's how it is, folks. And the latest country that the migrants are coming from, this is a new one for us, the African nation of Senegal, which is, uh, for those of you that that uh, put everything in respect to movies like I do, it's just north of, uh, of uh, Guinea and uh, Sierra Leone, where uh, the movie Blood Diamond was, was uh, from, where they were, uh, where they were uh, abusing their people that were mining diamonds over there. More from the Daily Mail on September 14th. Illegal Senegalese migrants are among thousands released on streets of Tucson after 2,000 crossed the border from Mexico in 24 hours. Street releases of migrants are being ordered in Tucson, Arizona, with migrants from African nations of Senegal, Mauritania, Ghana, and Sudan. Cochise County, Arizona, is being slammed with waves of migrants. Bus from other countries after crossing the border amid President Joe Biden's lax policies. But of course, if you listen to the uh, the Biden administration, Karine Jean Pierre, it's all the MAGA Republicans. If it wasn't for the MAGA Republicans, we wouldn't have a border crisis. It's all them. They're they're blocking whatever they're blocking. As I remember it, and this is what I talk about. Use your use your listen to what I say. Listen to what Fox says. Listen to what Newsmax says. Listen to what CNN says. Listen to what. PMSNBC, look at the articles on the internet, then use your logically thinking brain and and think about your own experiences and your own memories. So my memories were we had a stay in Mexico policy. We had uh, the Mexican military guarding the border. They had everything going on because Trump told them, hey, you guys stop this flow. 
stop this flow in or we're going to we're going to put tariffs on you. That's how I remember it. And of course, this is going to create a, a, a trade war. All the all the liberal economists said, but don't worry, they're still coming from South America, too. And once again, from Haiti. Here's Bill Malusian on Wednesday, the two year anniversary of the Haitian migrant invasion when 30,000 migrant uh, migrants from Haiti built their own city under a a bridge in Del Rio, Texas, and the White House called Fox News and asked them if if what they were seeing on TV was real. Now we have a steady stream of Africans, Venezuelans, and more Haitians, and they're all being so respectful. Several thousand have crossed here on Eagle Pass this morning, streaming into the country. They are predominantly single adult men filing into the country. A lot of them waving to our cameras, chanting Venezuela. We mentioned they arrived on a train. That's what they're all telling us. A mass of Venezuelan migrants were riding this train uh, to northern Mexico. They wanted to cross illegally into the United States. The Mexican government stopped it. You can see they got a Venezuelan flag on top of the train. The migrants started chanting, let us through, let us continue. The train was temporarily stopped. Well, uh, evidently it got through. And there are even more migrants in southern Mexico trying to make their way here. Masses of Haitian migrants overwhelming a refugee center there, pushing, shoving, stampeding because they want expedited uh, visas to get to the northern part of the country to cross into the United States. Migrants were trampled, officials were trampled, and we're told two people were hospitalized as thousands of these Haitian migrants uh, were disruptive and physically forceful in wanting these visas to get to the U.S.-Mexico border. It's kind of remarkable. It's kind of deja vu. Two years ago, I remember being in Del Rio with all those Haitians. Here we are again two years later. The numbers have never been worse. We've got thousands of mostly Venezuelans gathering here, uh, a free-for-all here in Eagle Pass this morning. Hey, I'm all out of time for the first half of the main event, so stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, sports, and commercials, and I'll be right back with lots more to say. Lay it down. I've always been with you here and now. And with all that's within you, be my Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't lot, talk a lot about mortgages and financing and real estate on the radio, but that's what I do all week when I'm not in front of the microphone uh, doing your radio show. Uh, if you're interested in uh, learning more about uh, what your options are in this uh, in this market, if you want to rearrange some of your uh, finances, if you want to figure out if what you're doing is right. Um, and whether that's uh, refinancing a piece of property that you own or purchasing a piece of property you'd like to own, whether that's in California or another state, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net. Click on United American Mortgage logo and do the cyber thing. So before the clip, before the uh, break, we were just did a big, uh, we just played a long uh, clip of Bill Malusian talking about all the Haitians coming over. And you know what? Uh, I just say, what the hell's going on? You know, we're the the migrants are flooding across the border. We had uh, ten thousand people come across in one day this week, and uh, they say they're giving temporary legal status to four hundred and seventy-two thousand Venezuelans this week, which uh, which means uh, four hundred and seventy-two thousand of them uh, just got hey, you're legal for eighteen months. At the end of which. They won't show up for any other hearings, so they're here permanently. 
and uh, got lots more lots more to to take on that as we talk about the Merrick Garland uh, hearing that went on. Uh, the House Judiciary Committee asked, and I'll, and I'll and I'll reference the final clip I use on this Merrick Garland, Garland hearing references all these illegal people, whether they vote or not. So, uh, so pay attention here. So the House Judiciary Committee asked uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland to testify in a hearing this week on his oversight of the Department of Justice, or should I say his lack of oversight. This guy is like Mr. Magoo. He doesn't really know what's going on. He can't see, he can't hear, he can't, uh, he can't, touch he can't touch he can't he can't sense anything going on around him and and the and the judiciary committee asked him about it asked him about it and asked him and what did he do oh uh, uh, he had his canned lines he had his uh he had his uh his i don't have any knowledge of that he had all his denials and it's just disgusting. You know, the Justice Department is not supposed to be partisan. They're not supposed to, you know, they're supposed to treat everybody equally. And that's just not what's happening in this country. So uh, much of the hearing contained the type of thing we're used to. Democrats rehashing January 6th, for instance. And, you know, where they, hey, it's your turn. You got five minutes to uh, ask. And uh, and all they do is is rant about BS that talking about what a great job everybody's doing. Uh, you know, uh, and... But we got to hear Thomas Massey of Kentucky tear Garland apart and accuse him of perjury. So first, Massey played his own January 6th video. So he played the video, and it and it showed Ray Epps, who we we talked about. If you remember when when Tucker when they released all the all the footage from all the security cameras to Tucker Carlson, and Tucker Carlson released them in in detail on. I don't know. It was uh, I don't remember if it was two shows or three shows. He he went over all this stuff on, and he particularly pointed out a guy named Ray Epps, who everyone started going Fed, 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 and uh, because he was saying, "Hey, tomorrow he's this is the night before January 6th, and tomorrow we need to go into the Capitol. I'm probably gonna get arrested for saying this, but we need to go." Into the Capitol. We need to make sure we go into the Capitol tomorrow. And then you see more video of him of him doing the same thing on January 6th and people chanting, Fed, 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 Fed. And of course, when they prosecuted everybody, somehow he was not on the list. They took video footage from January 6th and they found you. If you were in if you're at January 6th, you didn't go into the Capitol, you didn't say anything to anybody, but you got caught on somebody's video. They had FBI agents in your town and and uh and charging you with charges for whatever they charged you with. And there's and there's a, a massive variety of different things they charge. So in Massey's video, he included a question when he asked Garland in a hearing two years ago. Were there any agents in the, in the Capitol on January 6th? At that time, Garland said he didn't know. Here's what he says now. Now, in that video, that was your answer to a question to me two years ago. When I said, how many agents or assets of the government were present on January 5th and January 6th and agitating in the crowd to go into the Capitol and how many went into the Capitol? Can you answer that now? I don't know the answer to that question. Oh, last time, you don't know how many there were or there were none? I don't know the answer to either of those questions. If there were any, I don't know how many. You've I don't know whether there are any. I think you may have just perjured yourself that you don't know that there were any. 
You want to say that again, that you don't know that there were any? I have any? no personal knowledge of this matter. I think what I said the you've, last time. You've had two years to find it. out. And today, by the way, that was in reference to Ray Epps, and yesterday you indicted him. Isn't that a wonderful coincidence? On a misdemeanor. Meanwhile, you're sending grandmas to prison. You're putting people away for 20 years for merely filming. Some people weren't even there, yet you've got the guy on video who's saying go into the Capitol. He's directing people to the Capitol before the speech ends. He's at the site of the first breach. You've got all the goods on him, 10 videos, and it's, an, and it's an indictment for a misdemeanor? The American public isn't buying it. I yield the balance of my time to Chairman Jordan. May I answer the question? Uh, yeah, well, let's, we'll let the gentleman. In discovery, in the cases um, that were filed with respect to January uh, 6, um, the Justice Department prosecutors provided whatever information they had about uh, the question that you're asking. Uh, with respect to Mr. Epps, the FBI has said that he was not an employee or informant of, of the uh, FBI. Uh, Mr. Epps has been charged, um, and there's a proceeding, I believe, going on today on that subject. The charge is a joke. I yield to the chairman. Yeah, it's funny how uh, uh, if you heard uh, Scott McAfee uh, interview Tim GNA, Baked Alaska, on uh, on the show while I was in Europe, um, or, or if you've heard Brandon Straka of the Walk Away Movement uh, talk about his charges, these guys were charged with felonies, and they they got them to plead to plead uh, guilty to misdemeanors in in uh, in exchange for not being charged with more felonies. So, but when the Ray Epps Ray Epps, who is clearly probably a uh, a uh, federal federal person in there trying to trying to create January 6th. So this could go down in history as the worst thing since Pearl Harbor. Um, they charge him with a misdemeanor, which means he's not going to get anything, which means it's kind of like uh, when they when they indict Hunter Biden on on gun charges. Nothing nothing that ha that could possibly, hey, you know what, everyone, we saw so much evidence against Hunter Biden and actually against Joe Biden that they had no choice. They had to indict him on something, but let's indict him on something on the gun charges because that stands with Hunter. It doesn't go up to doesn't roll up to Joe Biden. So the Justice Department is so is so weak and and so biased, and there's obviously two systems of justice. We also got to hear Garland squir squirm over his attempts to help the White House shield Hunter Biden from prosecution. I reaffirm today, I am not the president's lawyer. I will add, I am not Congress's prosecutor. Have you had personal contact with anyone at FBI headquarters about the Hunter Biden investigation? I don't, re I don't, I don't recollect the answer to that question. Can you tell us about any briefings or discussions that you personally have had with Mr. Weiss regarding any and all federal investigations of Hunter Biden? Under oath, my testimony today is that I promised that the, uh, the Senate I would not um, intrude in his investigation. So he didn't really answer the question. He just made sure he didn't perjure himself. Did you have any contact? Did you have any discussions? Did you have any of that? My testimony is that I said I wouldn't intrude on the investigation. Really? How about to answer the question? Have you had any conversations? No such answer. And, of course, there was this from Jim Jordan. It's one thing to have a gun charge in Delaware. That doesn't involve the President of the United States. But Burisma? Oh, my. That goes right to the White House. We can't have that. 
You let the statute of limitations lapse for 2014, 2015. Those were the years with the felony tax charges where Hunter Biden was getting uh, income from Burisma. Here are four facts that I think are so important. Hunter Biden was put on the board of Burisma, made a lot of money, got paid a lot of money over those years, a couple million bucks. He wasn't qualified. Fact number two, he wasn't qualified to be on the board of Burisma. Not my words, his words. He said he got on the board because of his last name. The brand, as Devin Archer said, when he was under oath and we deposed him. Fact number three, Burisma executives told Hunter Biden, we're under pressure, we need help. Fact number four, Joe Biden goes to Ukraine, leverages our tax money, American people's tax money, to get the prosecutor fired who was applying the pressure. That fact is entirely consistent with what the confidential human source told the FBI, and they recorded in the 1023 form. The same form Mr. Ray didn't want to let this committee and the Congress see. That all happened. That all happened. And what I'm wondering is why you guys let the statute of limitations lapse for those tax years that dealt with Burisma income. There's one more fact that's important, and that is that this investigation was being conducted by Mr. Weiss, an appointee of President Trump. You will, at the appropriate time, have the opportunity to ask Mr. Weiss that question, and he will no doubt address it in the public report that will be transmitted to the Congress. So Trump appointed a lot of federal judges, and he couldn't have possibly known all of them and really, really uh, done his due diligence on all of them, so he depended on other people to say, yeah, this is a good guy, this is a good guy. Uh, so the fact that somebody, somebody, uh, somebody else that was appointed by Trump relieves Merrick Garland of his of his responsibility to oversee the Department of Justice. Apparently, I just say that is so weak. Well, hey, you know what? Let me just point out one other fact that this guy was this other guy is doing this this uh, this investigation, and he was tr- appointed by Trump. Well, what about all that stuff that we know as a fact? And, you know, all that stuff that, that Jim Jordan uh, just pointed out, all this stuff was from testimony from IRS whistleblowers and FBI whistleblowers and from Devin Archer, uh, Hunter Biden's business partner, who actually met with the president, who was actually present when these things that met with the vice president, who's president now. This is fact. And then, of course, when we uh, when they start the impeachment inquiry, they say, he hasn't done anything illegal. They were sitting in the in the hearing too. But my favorite part, my favorite part of this whole hearing, courtesy of Republican Victoria Sparts of Indiana. If you've never heard of Victoria Sparts, she's originally from Ukraine. She immigrated here legally in 2000. She earned her citizenship in 2006 and she won a seat in Congress in 2017. This lady is a rock star. In my opinion, as of right now, she rises up to uh, the uh, the other Republicans that we think about, Marjorie Taylor Greene, that that has an opinion and isn't afraid to make noise. And and I'll tell you, I I had a I had a uh, conversation with uh, Congressman Ken Calvert, and I asked him at a at a uh, a Lincoln Club meeting. I said, Hey, why isn't why aren't any of the Republicans making noise? 
the Democrats get all the all the camera time on the news. They get everything because they're actually making noise. The Republicans say, we're going to put a stop to this, and we're going to do this, and they're all businesslike, but nobody's making noise and getting the camera time. You know, if the Republicans make enough noise, they can't be ignored. And Victoria Sparks just walked into the uh, into the all star the all star lineup on Republicans that speaks her mind. This is uh this is about four minutes long, but it's worth listening to every little piece of it. Here it is. Attorney General, you had a very moving statement about your grandparents coming here uh, from Belarus to live in the country without fear of prosecution. I grew up in very similar country, Ukraine now, and when I came here as a young person, I believed in the value as an American not to be afraid of my government. But I wanted to tell you, and I want to share with you and get your thoughts on that. Are you aware that a lot of Americans are now uh, afraid of being prosecuted by your department? Are you aware about that? Are you aware of that? I'm just saying, are you aware or not? Uh, I think that uh, constant attacks on the department and saying no, it's that not attacks. Well, let me let me give you an example. I don't know. We talk what... about January six people. I'm sorry. Here, there, there are some people came on January six. There are probably were some people that came on January six here. You know that had bad intent, but a lot of good Americans from my district came here because they are sick and tired of this government not serving them. They came with strollers and the kids, and there was chaotic situation because the proper security wasn't provided. That's a question that was answered really why. Why we debated for 45 minutes on the floor and didn't stop the debate after the people broke in into the Capitol. But these people came, they were throwing the smoke bombs into the crowd with strollers with kids. People were showed up, you know, FBI agent to people's houses. You had in my district, in my town, FBI phone numbers all over the district. Please call. Call that. People are truly afraid. I just want to make sure if you're not aware that you are. And this is a big problem when people are afraid of their own government. And I'll show you some other things. We're talking about justice system. I don't question. You're probably not a bad person. I don't know you. But what I'll tell you, you're in charge of the department. And people right now feel, you know, I look at Durham report and I call on the FISA violations of queries of millions of Americans, right? It's like KGB, but when I read Durham reports, we have this, you have a nice, you know, playbook. First, let's have a special counsel, and then you don't have to answer any questions here. Then, let's extend slow work investigation on Hillary Clinton, on Hunter, everything is slow walked. We were very quick on Donald Trump, but you were very slow walked. Then, by the time, you know, that investigation and its statute of limitation expired, and all of your agents need to be tested for amnesia. No one recalls anything. Okay, you probably should have as part of your hiring policy. So no one held accountable, which was egregious what happened, you know, in that report. When I read with them, I can't believe it happened in the United States of America. This is my frustration. I'll be honest with you. Then it's very interesting, you know, regardless what it is, even people in Obama administration raise concerns. You know, how can President Sands be serving on, you know, 
corrupt Ukrainian oligarchs. Do you understand that it actually can undermine the one Ukrainian effort and policy? I think these concerns were raised. The Obama administration didn't do anything about it. These people are dying right now and Americans don't trust this president. So you, I want to ask you one thing. You know, as you, you know, I don't need answer because I know you're not going to, but I think you're probably good American and you care. And a lot of these people are so afraid they cover up this stuff, I think, in your department because they're embarrassed that what we became as a country to say that what our Department of Justice became. That allows Russians to do propaganda in Chinese. It allows them to destabilize our country. That is danger to our republic. It is significant danger. And I have just one more question from you. You know, and I mean, I agree on corporate crimes and FISA stuff, even with Democrats, that we need to do a better job. One more question for you. Do you believe that, you know, you talk about rights to vote, but do you believe that only U.S. citizens should be voting in this election and doing anything to make sure that only eligible people vote in elections? Yes and yes. Okay, I would like to see that, what you do. Thank you. Yield back. Yeah, what a cop-out. Yes and yes. I sat there in front of the TV and I go, okay. And? And then? And then? What, what comes after yes and yes? What are you doing about it? You know, whenever they say, hey, I'd like to see what you're doing about it, nobody ever sees that. There's never any follow-up on this stuff. And you know what? I just thought I thought that was the greatest rant that I've heard. And uh, she's not she's not as uh, smooth as uh, as Jim Jordan or uh, Matt Gates or uh, you know uh, the former uh, Trey Gowdy, the former Congressman Trey Gowdy. But you know what? Passion. Passion. Her passion is excellent, and her points were all America. You know, she's talking about, hey, people are afraid of our government. This is not right. You know, she came to America. She uh, came here in 2000, and she uh, and came from, and she said, I grew up in a country similar, now Ukraine. So she grew up in the in the Soviet Union, and that which became Russia, which became which that that particular part of it when the Soviet Union broke up became Ukraine. Um, and you know, there they were afraid of their government. Now people are afraid of their government here. It's ugly out there. It is ugly. It's, it's just mind boggling. I just can't even, can't even believe this. And you know, you hear him, uh, 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 are you aware that people are afraid? Uh, the continuous, uh, attacks on the department of, uh, she didn't, Hey, we're not attacking. Let's talk about specifics. It's disgusting. It's disgusting out there, and uh, and I and I implore everybody, let your voice be heard. Don't be afraid of our government. Not because there's no reason to be. Just the more we speak out, we all think that the that the majority elected Joe Biden. They didn't. They elected Donald Trump. And so we think like, well, we don't want to say anything, especially here in California, because. Because there's so many Democrats around us, we're going to get swarmed. Guess what? Even the Democrats, even most of the Democrats are seeing what's what's going on here. So if you have an opinion, let it be known. Have a voice and, and speak loud. So let's talk about it. i got a few minutes left. There are some Democrat women out there who could learn a thing or two from Victoria Sparts. 
One of them is New Mexico Governor Michelle Grisham. As you may have heard, Grisham held a press conference last week on public health order suspending the right to carry firearms in public in and around Albuquerque. Offenders would be slapped with a $5,000 fine. Grisham says she did this because of a string of recent shootings around the state where children were killed, and she claims that New Mexico firearm injury rates are 90% higher than national average. She also cited many children carrying guns themselves. There's been a lot of backlash to the order, including the federal judge uh, blocking blocking the order and Albuquerque chief of police saying he would not enforce it. Here's part of the press conference from last week, and then we have an update of what happened this week. We are suspending open and concealed carry. I think it's time to talk about the absoluteness of the discussion and the current court actions uh, that suggest that the Second Amendment is an absolute right and none of the others are. No constitutional right, in my view, including my oath, is intended to be absolute. This order basically says stop stalling out and to your point, just arrest everyone. Well. I also have to have the ability, I can't arrest everyone. There are literally too many people to arrest. This would allow us, huh? If someone got a concealed carry permit in Albuquerque walking down a public street, they're not gonna get arrested. I can make the point that maybe they should be. If you remember my interview with Chad Bianco uh, a few few weeks ago, uh, and he he mentioned the fact that he doesn't know of any, any time when someone with a concealed carry was was uh, uh, arrested for for breaking the law. Um, you don't have to arrest everybody. Just arrest the bad guys. And when you arrest the bad guys, the other ba- it sends a message to the other bad guys that if you actually break the law, you'll get arrested and you'll be you'll be prosecuted and stuck in jail. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. We have an update this week. Governor Grisham announced that she has issued an updated public health order. This is a public health order. It's the only way she can do this. That removes the previous provision around firearms and replaces it with a provision that temporarily suspends carrying of firearms at parks and playgrounds in Albuquerque and Bernalillo County. And you know what that means? That makes parks, parks and playgrounds the hot spot for crime because just like there's a just like we we know there's no guns allowed in schools that's why all the shoot all the mass shootings happen in schools so all the uh, law abiding citizens won't carry guns in parks and playgrounds but they but the bad guys will they don't they don't care about the laws they just carry them and they know that nobody there is armed so they don't have to worry about it so clearly the democrat the democrats are are out of control the democrat governors remember they take an oath they take an oath that says, I, 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 uh, pro- I promise to, to uh, uphold the Constitution of the United States. That's the only thing that is absolute. And the big thing is, if you want to change the Constitution, you, there's a process by which to make an amendment to the Constitution. Other than that, you don't have the ability to, to just decide what's absolute and what's not. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. So my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back again with you next week.